Welcome to the Turn on the Jets pregame report. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet. One, we're going to talk about the game coming up on Sunday at MetLife Stadium between the Jets and the Packers. The final home game of the 2018 season with the great beat reporter from NJ.com and New Jersey Advance Media, Mr. Daryl Slater. Daryl, what's going on, man? Not too much. Just getting ready for Christmas here and getting ready for the final two games. The final two games begin with the final home game of the season at MetLife Stadium. Jets and the Packers. And the Jets got either really bad news or really good news, depending on how you're looking at this. And we'll get into the draft order a little bit later. But Aaron Rodgers is going to play for the Green Bay Packers on Sunday. I think it was a long shot all along that that he would either shut himself down or the team would shut him down. It's just, you know, it just is a bad message. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I guess... You know, you preserve his health, whatever, and, and all that stuff. So I guess it, they'll look ridiculous if he has some sort of catastrophic injury. But, um, you know, I think he wants to play, and he has a lot of sway there, as we all know, in terms of how things are, are done in Green Bay. And um, he wants to play. He's going to play. And, uh, and look, I, you, know, you, you talk about other guys on, on the team, you know, guys on his offense, and he makes these guys, you know, in a lot of ways look better and, and – and every week, guys are putting film out there, and it's not necessarily fair to all his targets and receivers and such, uh, you know, to have an inferior presence at quarterback. At least maybe that's probably how they view it, right? Because these guys are all putting film out there every week in terms of establishing a resume for, for getting paid down the road or getting retained or that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I think that, that they, that they probably welcome it, and I'm sure he welcomes the opportunity to, to try to finish the year on a strong note. And it's been a rough year there for sure, but, for the Jets' perspective, from the Jets' perspective, you know, it obviously makes this game a lot more challenging, and uh, you know, I think fans are fine with that. <laughs> but uh, fans who are rooting for draft position are fine with that. But um, um, you know, I, I guess the Jets would prefer to face this Sean Kaiser, as you'd imagine. But uh, but look, I mean, uh, it's a it's a much cooler matchup, Sam Donald versus uh, versus uh, Aaron Rodgers, than than Donald versus Kaiser. Yeah, and I mentioned this to you before we started recording. This is probably the last chance that Jets fans are going to have to watch Aaron Rodgers in person barring a road trip because they only play every four years. The next one would be in Lambeau. So Rodgers would have to be 43 years old if he was playing again, which is not impossible, but I'd say it's highly unlikely. And it's also possibly the only head-to-head matchup you will ever see between Rodgers and Darnold because, again, Rodgers would be 39 the next time they play. I'd say it's about a 50-50 shot at this point, given all the injuries and everything with him. So you never know. This could be something that you look back at years from now as a momentous occasion, especially if Darnold overcomes Rodgers. That would be a really nice thing for his resume. It'll be interesting to see how things shake out on Sunday, especially considering now that you've got three Jets on the team that are going to have a little bit of a lift in their shoes based on the Pro Bowl voting, where they ended up getting selected. We saw this earlier in the week. Jason Myers, the kicker. Andre Roberts, the kick returner. And, of course, Jamal Adams, the free safety, who has been the best player on this team. And I would argue probably the best player this team has had since prime Darrell Revis. So, Daryl, what's the deal with those three guys? Did you have any opportunity to get any quotes from them about their selections to the Pro Bowl? Remember, Jamal Adams was boasting about it last year. He said, this will be the last time I missed the Pro Bowl. Believe that. So far, he's held true to his word. Yeah, he's pretty excited, of course, as you'd imagine. He got a chance to talk to his dad and... And uh, to share the good news with his dad, who of course played in the NFL for the Giants, and um, 
yeah, so we'll see if he can continue to make the Pro Bowl each year, but he certainly made good on his promise for this year. And Jason Myers is an interesting story just because of how much he struggled last year. It was a cast-off in Jacksonville and didn't win the job in Seattle, and the Jets picked him up last minute because of that Cairo Santos injury. And so he was certainly grateful for the opportunity, and, and, and Keane came out and took, a, took advantage of it, really made the most of it and had a great year. Andre Roberts is, is a really neat story, a guy who's been around the league for nine years and never made a pro ball and has just kind of been chipping away and, and earning a living as a as just a really solid return guy and and, and in combination with the Jets, uh, you know, cover, you know, block it, blocking units on, on punt and kickoff has, has put together a really productive year. I think he's first in the league in punts and second in kickoffs in terms of average yards per return in each. Um, and, you know, credit to Brant Boyer and, and that special teams group. That's been a highlight for the Jets, obviously. Even when you're having a, a really good year, it's so easy to overlook special teams, and especially when the team's four and ten, it's like who really, you know, who really cares a lot. I think a lot of people look at it like that, but I think the Jets uh, last check were second in special teams DVOA. Football Outsiders does those ratings, and they were, you know, they've kind of been there all year, second in the league in, in special teams, and and that's that was an area that has been a, a problem area basically since Mike Westoff left, um, and. Uh, Brent Boyer's finally found some consistency there with and not just as not just Myers and not just Andre Roberts, but some of those other guys that he has uh, working on special teams, Sharon Peak and some of those core special teams guys, uh, Trent Cannon, who's who's done a pretty nice job as a gunner actually this year. So, um, yeah, it, it, interesting that you have three Pro Bowl guys on a four and ten team, but that's that's the way it shook out for the Jets. And you know they're legitimate Pro Bowl guys, it's not like their first or second alternates who make the game, like Leonard Williams, he really didn't make the Pro Bowl. I mean, he, he, he was the first alternate who was an injury replacement. Avery Williamson's a fourth alternate. So it's kind of a, you know, probably he's probably not going to play in the game, so he probably won't get credit for, quote-unquote, making the Pro Bowl. But, you know, the Jets hadn't had a Pro Bowler, like a legitimate Pro Bowler, um, since Mo Wilkerson in um, in 2015. So nobody last year at all in terms of people who, who either made or played in the game. I think they had a couple alternates last year, but Leonard Williams made the game as an alternate, but they didn't have anyone actually selected for the game in 2016 when Leonard Williams quote-unquote made it. So, I don't know. I mean, look, I think maybe they should do something where you don't get counted as making the Pro Bowl unless you actually made the game, right? I mean, it's just, it's silly to get credit if you're a third alternate and you happen to have guys in front of you get hurt and you get credit for making the Pro Bowl. You didn't really make the Pro Bowl. You did, you know, you got a chance of playing the Pro Bowl because other guys hurt, got hurt or dropped out, so... Um, but yeah, it had been since, since 2015 and, and Muhammad Wilkerson that the Jets had had a legitimate pro bowler. Of course, they hit, I went back only, they hit three that first year. Darrell Revis, Tannen Marshall, and, uh, I can't even remember who the other guy was. Chris Ivory, maybe? Um, anyway, but that, those have been the pro bowlers under Todd Bowles. So, not that many, and that's what you'd imagine for a team that struggled so mightily. I don't know about under Todd Bowles, but I do think that we should look at Sam Darnold and see if he can replicate what Jamal Adams did as far as the second-year jump and getting to the Pro Bowl in his sophomore season. You wrote this week at NJ.com about some of the things that he's going to need to do if he wants to make that leap. Yeah, um, you know, we've re- I wrote a little thing about you know what's been encouraging about his past two games of performances, and, and there's certainly been some encouraging things which we've all seen, but um, just kind of looking ahead because that's what these last couple weeks are about looking ahead there. You know, what does he need to do to, to make the next step like Jared Goff did and like Carson Wentz did in their second year? So, yeah, I think there are a few things, you know, be, be better at the line of scrimmage in terms of, uh, making audible calls and reads, um, do a better job of going through his read projections on his, uh, pr- progressions on his routes quicker, um, you know, seeing the field quicker in that regard and, and noticing things like when a linebacker is dropping into coverage like he missed, you remember Kiko Alonso in Miami? got intercepted on a pass, didn't see the guy. So improve his field vision in that regard. I mean, and there are 
there are certain things that, like, you know, are outside of his control, too. I mean, the Jets, you know, he better hope that the Jets fix their offensive line, better hope that the Jets put some people around him. Um, so there are certainly things that he can do to to uh, help himself. There are things the Jets can do to help him in, in 2019 as he tries to take the next step. But, uh, yeah, there's a whole little rundown up there of, of, of you know, what to expect. I think everyone's heaping bees on the guy right now, and that is well they should, but um, he still has a lot of work left ahead of him. And, and he's not a finished product yet, and, but, you know, all signs are, are good right now. I think th- things things point to him taking the next step in 2019, but he, there are still things he has to do and things the Jets have to do to help him out. If he's going to take the next step, you have to wonder who the next coach is going to be who will help him take that step. Joe Caparoso, the boss over at TurnOnTheJets.com, he contends that the New York Jets beat is united behind A, keeping Mike McCagnin, and B, hiring Mike McCarthy as the head coach of the team. Is that true? Are you in this united front, Daryl? I don't think the guys who cover the team are united on anything. (laughs) If you you listen to our debates in that office about every mundane topic, (laughs) we're not getting together and uh, establishing some kind of like – cartel of, of decision making you know uh no like i don't i don't first of all i think the jets are going to keep mike uh mike McCagney. i think they will i think you could make a case for him staying i think you could also make a case for him going do i think they should fire him i, I don't know i guess you could make a case for it i'm not i'm not hard line on it one way or the other but um i'm not going to stand in a soapbox and say the guy should be kept because i think you should you could make a case i wrote a whole thing on, on why he could deserve to be fired. I graded every single move that I did and, and I think it came out with a C or a C minus. So you make the call on whether that's good enough through four years or not. But he's not I don't think he's going to get fired. That's the reality. And in terms of the coach, um no, I don't I don't know. I mean I know some some guys have written that Mike McCarthy would be the best option, but I don't think he would be. Um I just did a ranking of the preferable, most preferable, least preferable coaching options and any potential options. And, uh, I don't know where Mike McCarthy was. He might have been eighth. Um, I think I put John Harbaugh first. Of course, he has to get fired. And, he, and they're playing great right now. So, um, And Jake Rudin was up there, another guy who would have to get fired. Um, but I put several guys, you can go look at it, uh, ahead of Mike McCarthy. Uh, yeah, I think there are pros to him. Um, but I think on a whole, he underachieved in Green Bay. And um, if underachieving in Green Bay looks like that, that's fine, right? Because you make the playoffs, you win a Super Bowl. Um, but you have Aaron Rodgers, you have more wiggle room. You have a larger margin for error. What does underachieving with the Jets look like? It doesn't look like that, I can tell you that. Like uh, So especially in 2019 uh, when people want a team that's going to push for the playoffs. So would Mike McCarty be the worst possible hire? No, I don't think so. But I think the Jets can can do better, especially if uh, John Harbaugh and or Jake Gruden is available. If neither guy is, you know, then, then McCarthy's name naturally moves up that list, that pecking order. But I don't think it's true that we've, you know, reunified on that. You'd be surprised at the topics that we talk about at the Jets meeting room that involve nothing of this sort, and they're quite frankly much more meaningless than who the next Jets coach would be, if, that, if, that's, if, if that's possible. Um so it, we are we, we generally babble about some very trite non-football things in there and debate about, but uh, but I yeah look I don't 
just because one guy wrote, one guy writes that, that, that Michael McCarthy would be the best option, I, I don't think it's the case that we all believe that. Sounds like the Jets beat can be an episode of Seinfeld sometimes, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. If only we could monetize that, right? <laughs> ah, let's see what we can do. I'm going to call Netflix and see if we can get this as a series. I feel like it would be better than half the stuff that's out there. One thing that's definitely better than a lot of the stuff that's out there is a piece that you told me that you're working on. I don't want you to give everything away about it, but I know you're writing something about the legalization of marijuana and how it relates to players and what their thoughts are on it, and that's going to be coming out during Christmas week. So what is the general gist of what you're going to be doing? with that yeah so um i combined with uh, matt lombardo or one of our giants reporters and of course marijuana is going to be legal in the state of new jersey and we did a survey of 19 total players in the jets and giants it was totally anonymous so the guys would be more honest with their opinions and just um related to um you know what do they think of the weed being legal in new jersey or what do they think of what the nfl should test for it and that sort of thing so that's coming out on the 26th and uh yeah, so there's some interesting answers in there. I mean, you'd be surprised. I think guys really, you know, like the opportunity to talk about something that's not football because they do have a lot of opinions on on things outside of football. And, and this is a topic that's, you know, pertinent to the NFL because, I mean, you look at the – I mean, I don't know if Josh Gordon tested positive for marijuana or what it is, um, but, you know, there's a lot of questions about whether the league should test for this stuff or not. It's the most violent league uh, in America in terms of sports, one of the most violent sports in the world. And, uh, you know, a lot of, as a lot of guys said in the, in the thing, you know, these guys are given painkillers that are frankly much more dangerous and addictive than, and, and effective probably than marijuana. Um, but, you know, maybe there are cases, some of these guys said where a, a, a slightly more benign and definitely less addictive product like weed, non-opioid thing, uh, could be, could be a, an effective substitute for what these guys are given. So, and, you know, you could go down the whole road of the, how the league tests for it and stuff. I mean, it's, you really have to be pretty dumb to fail, um, just because the testing window in the NFL goes from April 20th, April 20th, of course, of course, <laughs> to, uh, to August 9th. That's when it went this year. And if you, and that's a one-time testing window for players who are not in the drug program, players who have not previously tested positive for recreational drugs. So you're given, you're given a notice in, in, in that window, right? And then you have four hours to comply. So basically if you stop smoking weed in like mid-March, then you just wait for your test to come up and you do the test, you, you're clean, then you can smoke all the way again until like the middle of next March. So guys are doing this during the season regularly. Guys do, guys smoke during the season. Um, and so it's a, almost a, a toothless policy in a lot of ways. And uh, yeah, anyway, but I think that there's some interesting answers that the guys gave to those questions. Daryl, last thing before we move on to our semi-mindless predictions for the game. Draft order, what should we be looking for as far as if we're interested in what the teams around the Jets are going to be doing in terms of moving up and down the draft board and how that will affect the Jets? Yeah, so the the situation with the first and second pick, the Jets are the third pick. The situation up top with one and two is Arizona's first and, and Oakland's second. Those teams have three wins. The Jets, of course, have four. Um, so the Jets obviously want both of those teams to win. I'm going to be honest with you, I have no idea who those teams play this week. So, <laughs> but you can probably find that uh, anywhere. But uh, So 
the situation there. So the Jets are at three, uh, four wins. They're tied with the Niners and Jaguars at four wins apiece. But the Jets are so the tiebreaker is strength of schedule, right? So if you have a weaker strength of schedule and you're and you have four wins, you get preference over the team that has a stronger schedule and four wins. Makes sense. So you know, you were you stunk against a worse schedule, basically. So it's it's interesting because the Jets are at their strength schedule is five oh two right now and they're third. The Niners are right behind them. They're four and ten, but they have a five oh four strength of schedule and the Jaguars are five fifty one. Um so the, you could see some movement here if if the Niners and Jets um both lose. Um I don't I don't know who the Niners play, but the strength of schedule could tip that though that spot right there. So the Jets obviously want Oakland and Arizona to win, right? To get back to four wins and tie them up at four and eleven. Presuming the Jets lose, and if you look at the strength of schedule with Arizona, it's five twenty-two, Oakland is five sixty-two, and the Jets are at five oh two. So the Jets are actually in pretty good position right there to win this strength of schedule tiebreaker over the Cardinals and and Raiders. Um, could that number change these next two weeks strength of schedule wise? Yes, it could. But keep in mind, you're talking about that number is based on fourteen what fourteen sixteenths of the schedule. So these last two records of the opponents for Arizona, Oakland, and the Jets could tip that strength of schedule, but at this point in the season, you're talking about most of those numbers being in the equation, if that makes sense, right? So um, the, the strength of schedule numbers won't change a ton. Um, I, you know, if, if, you know, Arizona 522 and the Oakland 562, the Jets at 502, I don't think, I don't, uh, you know, I, think, I think the Jets would have preference over both of those teams. I don't see those changing that much. Now, there could be a change with San Francisco. That's the thing. At four and three, right? The Niners at four, at five, and then the strength of schedule five oh four, and the Jets at three, and the strength of schedule five oh two. That's a, that's a small enough margin where these last two games could tip it. But anyway, that's a lot of math. <laughs> but that's where the, that's where the Jets are. And if you're a Jets fan and you want the Jets to lose, and you're about draft position, then you're rooting for Arizona, Oakland, San Francisco, and Jacksonville to win this week. And, of course, the biggest determining factor as far as their draft pick is what the Jets do on Sunday at MetLife Stadium in their home finale against the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing, so like we said, Daryl, that'll definitely help the Packers' chances of winning and the Jets' chances of losing and maintaining their draft position. I'm not going to go into some long, detailed explanation of why I think the Jets are going to lose this game. Simply say this. I think it's going to be very close because both teams, let's be honest, have fairly poor rosters. But at the end of the day, I think it comes down to Aaron Rodgers being the X factor here. As long as he stays on the field, I think the Packers will win a very close one. They probably come out of this one with a victory somewhere in the neighborhood of 24-21. So what do you think, Daryl? I think the Jets are going to win the game. I think they played uh, well enough these last two weeks. I think Sam Darnold is progressing to the point um, that... uh, you know, it, if he plays like he did last week against the Texans, the odds are the Jets are going to win. I mean, the odds are that they're going to lose again on the, uh, on the on the final drive of the game are slim. It just it just just based on probability, right? So, um, if you look at this Packer defense, um, I'd have to look up the number here where they are in DVOA. Um, they're 24th in defensive DVOA. So, the the, the Texans are. Uh, seventh, the Bills are third right now. So Sam Darnold did pretty well against two very good defenses in the last couple of weeks. If he plays that well against a defense that has struggled, I think the Jets will be in pretty good shape. I, I have them winning 24 to 20, um, but maybe the Jets score more points than that against this Packer defense. 
Uh, I don't think it's outside the realm possibility for Donald to win. This would be a big win for him over Aaron Rodgers. Of course, you know he's not playing Aaron Rodgers in terms of throwing over Aaron Rodgers in coverage, but um, it'll be. A, I think it'll be a bigger task for Rodgers to handle, or for the Jets' defense to handle Rodgers than it will be for uh, Donald to handle the Packers' defense if he plays as well as he, as he did the past couple of weeks. Is a fascinating thing, but you never know. A young quarterback, he could come out and lay an egg. So. Your prediction is basically the inverse of mine, where you have the Jets winning a close one and I have the Packers winning a close one. We'll see which one of us is right, or more likely, we'll probably both be wrong this Sunday at MetLife Stadium when the Jets take on the Green Bay Packers in their home finale. And like I said before, if you have the opportunity to go to this game, whether you have tickets and you're on the fence or you can buy them on StubHub and you're thinking about it, I really recommend doing it because this is going to be more than likely your last opportunity to see Aaron Rodgers live, like I said, and there's a decent chance it's going to be the only head-to-head matchup ever between Rodgers and Darnold. So no reason to miss out on that if you're going to be around and you've been on the fence. Go to the game, trust me. And by the way, the Jets are not paying me to say this. This is just me as a Jets fan saying that I think that this is a good opportunity for Jets fans to go out there and catch this game and see Rodgers and Darnold. But we will see how this turns out on Sunday. And Daryl, we will talk on Sunday night because, of course, Monday is Christmas Eve. So we will do a special Sunday night show instead of the usual Monday morning show. Looking forward to getting into it with you after the game on Sunday. But in the meantime, why don't you tell everybody what you and Matt Stipulkowski have up over at NJ.com. Yeah, so uh, we'll have a little thing tomorrow on how just how attractive is the Jets' job opening. You know, why? You know, I think you could probably answer some of those questions yourselves, but we kind of put it all in one place for you. Uh, why is it? Why is it attractive? And why could uh, you know could maybe a head, a head coach candidate be a little wary of, of this job opening? Um, so uh, there's that, and then uh, Matt's got his mailbag up right now, and. Um, yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff over there, and we talked about some of it, and there's some more stuff coming. And so, uh, yeah, appreciate everybody reading. And uh, I guess we'll, uh, I would say, happy holidays and Merry Christmas and all that, but I'll talk to you on Sunday. So, Yes, sir, we will save the holiday salutations for the Sunday show. But listen, either way, if you don't listen to the Sunday show, we do, of course, wish you a Merry Christmas, a Happy Holidays, Happy Festivus, of course, since we mentioned Seinfeld earlier, and we'll get into all of that on Sunday as well. But in the meantime, make sure you read Matt and Daryl over at NJ.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.